As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Potted Together podcast. My name is Becca, and I'm joined by our co-hosts, Adam and Nicole, and a very special guest, Gretchen. Everybody say hi. Hey. Yay. Hi. Thank you for having me today. I'm really excited. This is so exciting. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Our very first guest We had a ever. couple of little technicalities, but I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Technology is usually a problem no matter what so we're just glad that you're here <laughs> we did it we did it yes everybody who knows me knows that I'm not real if you look at my Instagram you can see like all the did you I don't know if you saw my story yesterday but I tried to do a tour of our perennial house and somehow my phone changed it to colonial house and I actually had employees <laughs> who have been laid off for the winter texting me going why did they rename the perennial house colonial house that's so stupid what's going on and So I made up this whole big thing that like the vice president of the company wanted to, because we're in Virginia, call it Colonial House. And like I, oh, I no. caused this big uproar. I do things like that all the time at work. But yeah, so my, my lack of technical skills is, it's something to laugh at. I love your stories. Yeah. Well, I feel like you... Obviously not edited. <laughs> I feel like you say a lot that you're not good with technology, but here you are like making reels. You're doing Instagram highlights. Like you're so far above and beyond like what I've done on Instagram. So I think you need to give yourself a little credit for that. Well, you're right, Adam, because compared to other people my age, which no one will really ever know my real age, um, <laughs> there's one person who does, I'm not going to say who that is, but he knows you, Adam, and he's visited <laughs> you. Um, I, compared to other people my age, most of the people, yes, I'm far ahead. All the ladies in my neighborhood, yeah, they they don't even know how to, yeah. So I'm yeah. a little hard on myself sometimes, but I wish I could do more. It's okay. It'll come. But thank you. So now I can say that I've done a podcast before, so I can add that to my resume. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> can. Yeah. So you guys have to like, um, you know, I, I'm going to tell everybody to start watching because I didn't even know that your podcast existed until you invited me to be your first guest on it, which was really exciting. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I didn't even realize you had it. Like, I don't know. I guess you must advertise it a lot on YouTube and I'm not really in the YouTube universe. So I'm sorry if you had advertised it on Instagram. Um, I wasn't aware of it. And then I found your whole Instagram um site for your podcast and then I listened to all your podcasts it was awesome so we'll <laughs> oh, have to like so sweet. I'll make sure everybody you know all my followers I'll make sure everybody knows about it because it's it's really fun 
Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, we're pretty we we bring it up in YouTube videos from time to time, but we yeah, we do it on Instagram, but I feel like ever since we created our potted together Instagram, we've kind of been just putting stuff on that page and not really a lot on our personal pages. So, yeah, it you probably wouldn't have seen it unless you saw like when we first started. But so fun that you caught up with all of our episodes. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> great. And then I was like, oh, I'm at the end of the season. Oh, wait, there's another one. Because this is this is the beginning of your second season, right? We're right. like in the middle. In the middle. Okay, so that's right. So I watched that and then I got, I got totally up to date. So it's fun. <laughs> okay, so we obviously, like I said, have a guest on today's episode who is Gretchen. And forgive me, I don't know your last name and I don't know if that's public, but obviously we don't have to share. But Gretchen, also known as Greenhouse Girl 94 on Instagram, shares a ton of valuable information um, about plants about life sometimes. And it's just really, really great to um, follow along and see what you're doing. So if you want to introduce yourself and tell us how you got into plants and yeah, let's start with that, how you got into plants. Okay. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much, you guys, for having me. I'm very excited to be your first guest on your podcast. And um, well, I, I, you know, I never do those introduce me. Let me talk a little bit about myself posts on Instagram because I'm a little uncomfortable doing them. But I'll, I have before. But I'll, everybody, I think, kind of knows the story. I've always liked houseplants. Um, when I was growing up, um, recently, there's been a big, big resurgence in um, people loving houseplants because of COVID. Everyone's stuck, you know, stuck at home. Prior to that, houseplants were like huge back in the 70s. Then it kind of lulled for a while. And then like in the early 2000s um, is when it really took off again. And then COVID gave it a huge push. So I was one of those people that originally got on the bandwagon back in the 70s when I was young. Um, everyone was making the macrame plant holders and everyone, you know, we had didn't have plant stores. You had to go down to the little downtown store that was Woolworths, if any of you know what that is. It's like a little uh, convenient. It's a five and 10 store, which they don't even call it that anymore. But they had some plants and I bought my first plant was a little golden pothos and that was 99 cents. And I ended up going to a slumber party and everyone brought their Barbies in their Barbie case. And I brought my little pothos in my Barbie case and it was the hit of the sleepover. So then everybody started wanting to buy plants. Um, and that's kind of how it started. My mom always had a lot of plants I didn't really pay much attention to them, but a lot of my friends thought that they were cool. Funny story, she had a jade plant and I used to take, I always, I always had long nails and I would take my fingernails and poke them, you know, and, and just, I don't know why. I just thought it was cool to punch my fingernails in those succulent leaves. And my mom actually thought her plant had some kind of a problem because she's like, there are these half moon scabs all over my jade leaves. And I was like, oops. So that was, you know, I do, I learned the way that everybody else here is learning. I did really silly things. Um, I look back, you know, she had a, a golden pothos. It might've been a marble queen. I'm not sure. And one day in the middle of July, I put it out in the backyard at like noon before we went to the pool because I felt sorry for it being in our dim living room and we came home and oh my god it had black um spots all over it it, it died and my mom was like why would you do that and I said I felt bad for it so I have learned just like everyone else has but I've had decades 
and decades, you know, to make mistakes. So when I see people doing things, when we see people at work bringing things in and saying, oh, I put my my peace lily, I opened all my windows before I went to school today and it's, you know, 17 degrees Fahrenheit outside and they come home and it's dead. They, you know, people think, well, I thought it would want some fresh air. And I have to think back to, yeah, I did something like that too. So I think sometimes people feel like, you know, like me with technology, that they, they don't know what they're doing. They'll never get it. But I've had a lot of experience and it's all hands-on experience. Um, mm-hmm. I've not been to school. I was in the investment business for years. and um, But working at the greenhouse is where I've really learned a lot and working alongside of people that have been in the business for 30 years, I've really learned a lot. And that's, that's kind of what my background is as far as plants. Yeah, I love that. And I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you that we've all learned the same way you have, because I feel like I've learned a lot from you. So like, <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah we, didn't, I understand. we didn't have, we didn't have social media. We had the world book encyclopedia. If your family was lucky <laughs> enough to have one and you know, yeah. you could look up philodendron and it would tell you about philodendrons because they were there, but you wouldn't find things like Pink Princess or what to do if you're indoor. You know, there there were indoor plant books, um, two of them that I still have, but I didn't have them. Um, I don't know. Maybe they were more like in the 80s, um, but it was fun. Just, you know, one of the things that I got for Christmas one year was this plastic dome and you were supposed to make a terrarium in it and it came with all this multicolored sand. So right then they showed pictures of um, cacti in them. Well, a closed terrarium with cacti. And then, you know, I made all these patterns in the sand and I watered the heck out of it and they turned to mush. And I was like, well, <laughs> that was a dumb Christmas present. Thanks, Santa. But, you know, <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't have Google. I didn't have um, Instagram. I didn't have YouTube. So you were kind of forced to just try, 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 try again. And we had a lot easier, you know, we just had the basic plants. So it wasn't like a big investment. If you killed a 99 cent plant, you just, you know, went and babysat for an hour and made 99 cents and bought a new one. 99 cent. Wait, wait, hold on. How much did you say that you paid for your first pothos? I paid 99 cents. Nine, and okay, it, was, um, it was probably a four inch, which, you know, now you can get them. It depends. I mean, with COVID prices are all over the place it's crazy. I mean, I could talk about plant pricing all day long. We have things on our benches that are a six inch golden pothos. Um, we have them twelve ninety nine, and we'll have them twenty four ninety nine because when we couldn't get them, we had to go somewhere that was really expensive just to have them in house. So we don't mark everything up. If things come in at a lower price, um, we don't mark everything else down. And if things come in higher, we just, you know, that's the way that we price. So that's, that's a little tip. I know we're not talking about tips, but if you go to a large um, commercial greenhouse, look at the prices. And if you're looking and you see like 15 of something, look at each one, because if, when you're at our garden center, um, you can find plants that are the same exact plant from the same exact grower and every week that we get them they come in at a different price so you can find a couple dollars difference at a lot of places so it's you know you want to take the time to pick out the plant that looks great to you but you also want to look at all of them and see if there's any it's like looking for that last can of soup um that you know in the old days before barcodes um you you know it's that's just I don't know why I'm talking about that, but that's a little tip. Um, look at the no, prices. No, I didn't know that. Prices are going I didn't know up. anything about that. Yeah, I didn't spoil, either. 
it, when COVID started, I heard from somebody who was in the business, they're like, Gretchen, get all of the soil, all the amendments, all the fertilizers that you need right now for at least the next 90 days. Because back then wow. they thought it would work last 90 days. So I went out and I got a huge, I got the the big thing of ProMix from our work that they have to load in your car. I, I loaded up on that and I think I put on my story and I know people were probably thinking, oh, she's being like one of those people that's like, you know, go get 50 pounds of flour and water in your garage and all that, you know, the doomsayers. But you know what? It, I'm almost done. I'm done with that soil. But the, the production, it's its absolutely crazy. All these places had to shut down production. Um, there's so much more demand. So we, we're still seeing shortages of a lot of things. And then a lot of, um, you probably don't know, all the coca core in the world comes from one place, which is Sri Lanka. And unfortunately, Sri Lanka had a big problem with COVID and they shut everything down. So you couldn't get coca core for about six to eight weeks. Amazon didn't have it. Um, so these are all the challenges that we're working with in the greenhouse. I mean, let alone getting good plants, getting all of the things that go with plants. So it, it's been really, really hard. Um, people come in and they don't understand why, you know, I've always been able to get peat moss from you and you don't have it. And it's the same thing. I mean, Clorox wipes, toilet paper and plant supplies. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. it's it's a very different world than it was a year ago. Wow, that's so interesting. I'm so happy we have you on because there's so many things that we just we don't know because we don't work, you know, in a greenhouse or, you know, with things like that. So that's so interesting that you guys were out of so many things for a while. That's crazy. And and that leads to like another thing, you know, when people come in, they say, oh, I'm looking for, do you have pink princess or do you have white wizard philodendron? And I'm like, no, unfortunately, those are things that aren't commercially grown. So you'll have to go. And I always tell them, go to Etsy, you know, or go to Facebook and they'll say, well, could you just order me one? And I'm like, um, I can't just order you one because as I told you, they're not, <laughs> so not commercially grown means that there's not a, a, a grower that's growing them, you know, um, in, in large production, because we have three greenhouses, um, we buy in bulk. So we can't buy from the, the people that are selling on Etsy, they're growing two or three or five or 10 in their house. We That does nothing for us. So most of the places that most people buy plants that are larger uh, plant places, you know, something has to be available. Something has to be commercially grown for them to to get it. And so we can't just click on a button and, and buy it. And that's one of the frustrating things for us. Um, it's, it's that way with all the plant products now too, and all the plants. So believe me, if we could get pink princess and if we could get, you know, all these rare plants, we would, but the reason that they're rare or more hard to get is that there aren't growers that are growing them commercially. And the reason that the large growers aren't growing them is, you know, they're still going to be more expensive. And, you know, we're a little microcosm, like we're, the whole world isn't like the people on Instagram and YouTube that are trying to get these more rare plants. You know, our garden center is a full service garden center. And we have to make sure that we have all the different types of ferns and foliage that people want. And then we have a little bit of the more, popular stuff, if for lack of other words. So it does get frustrating when people come in and they don't understand why we can't get some of the plants that they're seeing on Instagram or YouTube. I hope yeah. I kind of explained that. Oh, you did. Yeah. Um, 
in another episode that we recently had someone, uh, we had some questions from Instagram and people like asking us stuff and someone referred to rare plants as commercially rare. And we all thought that was a great way to explain it because, right, you know, a lot of the times rare is just so, it just depends on, you know, what part of the world you're in, uh, what you're around. And so when people say commercially rare, I think that that really envelops like what, you were just talking about is that they're not commercially accessible. They're not being grown in mass quantities, that kind of stuff. So I, I like that. Right. You can even see it in different parts of the country because I'll put, um, for instance, when Nanook, um, Tradescantia Nanook first came out, I put it on my story and people all over the country were like, oh my God, oh my God, it's like over a year ago, there's a local grower that grows it. And I had people saying, can you mail it to me? You know, and when they found out that we were doing little two inch for $4.99, I mean, you know, I could have bought up the whole thing, but I'm not into shipping plants and all that. Um, Another one is we just got, um, gosh, a really, really old philodendron, the um, Mikan's. Mikan's was around in the 70s. No one cared about it. My buyer, I had to like beg and plead for her to get Mikan's. She's like, no one wants Mikan's. I'm like, they do now. And we got 30 of (laughs) them the other day. Yeah, $9.99 for four inch, 30. They went in like a couple hours. And people all over the country were like, we can't get them. So we get them because there's a local grower here um, that grows them. But, you know, so it could be commercially um, rare in your area. You know, there are certain things that people in California can get that you can't get. I got my first, uh, which one was it? My Cebu Blue. I had to have Amanda from Be Nicer Leaf from Florida mailed me one. And she got hers from, uh, I think, like Lowe's. So, you know, some people in Florida can get stuff at Lowe's that we up here can't get anywhere. So yeah. it's, you're right. It just does happen to do, you know, the luck of the draw where you're, where you're based in the country too. Yeah. There were some things that I really did want to talk to you about because we've talked about it before, but we have processes that we've done since we started being plant parents that we have now realized are not effective as we once thought they were. The big one that I'm thinking about from you is I think I saw on your Instagram, maybe it was probably a few weeks ago or it could have been longer, but uh, aerating the soil with a chopstick because, yeah, that's what we've always done. Just, Just like, you know, sometimes it gets too solid. Um, But I'll I'll let you explain more about why you stopped doing that. I can, I didn't realize that you realized that I stopped doing that. Yeah. So um, basically I always did that. Um, Your soil, you know, will get compacted and I would take a chopstick and I would kind of poke at the top of the soil if it gets hard and kind of run it around the rim of the pot. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to aerate. You know, we aerate our lawns. I actually saw other people on Instagram doing it. And as I said, I am not, I do not have a horticultural or, you know, degree. Um, It's something I always did. It's something my mother did. It's something I saw other people do. So I started promoting it. And then all of a sudden, I got called out by someone who I don't follow anymore. And he can't follow me because... (laughs) Um, he wasn't so nice about it. He didn't call me out. He, he messaged me and he said, you know, this isn't right. And, um, did you learn this from, and then he said another account. And I was like, no, I don't even follow that account. It's a very large account. I didn't follow it at the time. And, um, he just got really mean about it and bullying and saying, well, 
you know, where did you learn about it? I said, my, my grandmother, my mother did it. And he said, well, I'm sure that your grandmother and mother were really nice people, but they don't have degrees like I do. And, you know, went on and on and on that I shouldn't be giving advice because I don't have all these degrees. So I was like, okay, thank you very much. But then I started to look into it. And so here's the thing. Um, based on science, it's not a great thing because you are breaking the particles down in your soil. So when you're taking your chopstick and you're sticking it in there, you're actually breaking the particles down into smaller pieces. And so you think what you're doing is aerating, but over time, if you keep doing that, you're going to break those particles down further and further and further. And imagine that it's getting like nice, larger pieces, larger molecules. They're breaking down. You're eventually going to have kind of sand. There's not going to be a lot of air in there. So it's actually doing the opposite of what you think it's doing. So if you think about it, that you're you know, chopping the soil, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller particles. Those smaller particles are going to compact together. They are going to force the air out and then they're going to restrict the roots. So that's what aerating in that manner is actually doing. And so through that person, I learned, I wish that person had been, had told me in a little nicer way, but it all worked out fine. You know what I mean? So Maybe yeah. I should do, I should actually probably address it and, and do maybe a reel or a video or something about it. I was, this was a while ago, it was maybe a year, year and a half ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, but I still see, see a lot of people are advocating it. Um, I'm the type of person, if I see someone saying something on YouTube or Instagram that I don't agree with, I just don't say anything. If it's something really, really, really wrong, I might message them and tell them nicely, but I'm not the plant police. So, um, but that was a really good learning experience for me. And that's why I, I don't advocate doing it anymore. A lot of what I've learned over the four years I've worked in the greenhouse. So I think a lot of people know we have a plant clinic uh, at my, at our garden center. And that's where you can bring your plant in, whether you bought it from us or not. And they have people there and the people that work at the plant clinic all have degrees, biology or horticulture or um, whatever, um, multiple degrees where there's microscopes and they can diagnose issues. So what happens is people will come into the greenhouse and then I say, well, let's go to the plant clinic. And instead of just dumping them there and leaving, you know, what I would do when I first started is I would wait and watch and say, oh, you know, what are you recommending? Oh, can I look in the microscope? Um, so it's been four years of that. I've seen a lot of issues that I wouldn't see at home. I've, I had never had thrips in my house. And so I got to know what thrip damage looks like in person on a, you know, a, a live leaf sample underneath a microscope. I got to see scale, which I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to pick off scale again. Because let me tell you, <laughs> scale looks like a little barnacle and you're like, I'm going to pick it off my thumbnail. No big deal. I would pick off scale all day long from plants in the greenhouse um, because we have plants that come in and, you know, we have to treat them. And then when I looked under the microscope, oh, they're so disgusting. Don't tell me. Ew. Don't tell me. I literally you just. So you can take a probe, which is like a little wood stick, you know, with a needle on it. And if you poke them, this black stuff comes out and you can see the little babies swarming around them. I'm like, that's oh all my underneath God. my fingernails. Yeah. Oh, um, but you learn things over time. I, I have learned things and um, those are things that I wouldn't have known. Now, here's the thing. 
if I went to four-year degree of school to learn all that, I would learn it, but I would learn it in a different way. A lot of times it's not as hands-on. So I'll mm-hmm. see things and know what they are and know what's happening. And I'll say, oh, this is what's happening. This is chlorosis. You need iron. But if I had gotten a degree, I might know why that's happening. I don't really need to know the why. You just need to know, you know, what's going on and how to cure it. Um, with a degree, you would know, uh, and it's probably happening because of this or that. And I'm not discounting at all a degree. I'm saying a degree would be fabulous. I just don't have one. But over time, through experience and hands-on and working with people that that are educated, that's kind of how I've learned. I'm, I'm like a sponge. So... Um, it would be the same thing as somebody who maybe, I mean, you know, I don't know, um, what, what do you need a degree for? I'm thinking building, you know, so you like an apprentice, if you're an apprentice for something, you're learning by doing. Um, mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people that are in trades that they just learned by doing as opposed to, you know, and they might've learned from someone with a degree. So that's kind of how I view myself. And, and you guys too, like you said, my, our plants speak for ourselves. It doesn't mean we don't kill plants, but we've gotten to a level where, um, you know, we're a lot more comfortable with some of these harder to please plants just because we've, we've had a lot of them. Yeah. I think, um, me and Adam, like Adam does videography and he knows photography and I'm a wedding photographer and I've never taken any professional, like I've never went to school for photography. I don't have a degree in it. So that's, that's one of those things that's definitely hands-on, you know, you learn as you go. So that's kind of what I, when you were telling the story about being in the greenhouse and like learning all these things from, you know, botanists or whatever, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like the hands-on experience is going to teach you so much more than taking a class online or going to, you know, and not to downgrade it, obviously, but it's, you know, the hands-on experience is just something that I feel everybody needs in order to continue your education. Speaking of, speaking of, um, like photography and videography and things, I get people all the time say, Gretchen, make a video on this, or Gretchen, make a video on that. And I don't think people understand, like, making videos is not my thing. I I still, sometimes I actually cry when I can't figure out how to use the, the apps that I have. I feel really, really dumb sometimes. And I think people see the product that I put out and they think, oh, she can do that. Why aren't you doing YouTube? Why aren't you doing, you know, and, you know, I've had people tell me, hey, you know, that photo you posted was blurry. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, Sometimes Gosh. I think people think that we're all professionals and everything, and we really aren't. This is, for me, this isn't a business. It's just a fun pastime that's really kind of exploded into something that's taking up a lot of my time. So mm-hmm. I feel bad. I would love to make all these videos that people want me to, but I, my time is limited and um, my you know, sometimes my training is limited, but, and, and as far as getting back to plants, um, there are a lot of times that I'll tell people, I'm sorry, I don't know what's wrong with your plant. You know, they'll send me a picture and I'll say, I, I just, I don't know. Um, sometimes I'll bring pictures into work, but sometimes it's hard to diagnose from a picture also. It's difficult. You have to, sometimes like with, with plant IDs, people will ask me to ID something and I won't know. And then they'll bring in the greenhouse and right away I'll be like, oh, that's a, you know, whatever. It, it's easier to see things in real life, to diagnose and to, to ID. So that's something yeah. I struggle with too. Yeah. 
like what other things uh, have you done that you've now changed your opinion on? Like, are there like maybe like two or three others that you can think of that you've like, okay, I don't do this anymore. And here's why. And I, that's what I'm kind of curious to know from you. Yes. Well, everyone knows that I'm a huge advocate of always having a hole in your pot. And I can honestly say that I've always planted in a pot with a hole in it. So I feel good about that. However, um, what I used to do is when I would repot anything, I would always put pea gravel in the bottom of the pot. Um, It was just something that I learned from my mom. And she said, oh, it helps with drainage. And to me, Uh, it just made sense like, oh, well, okay, my mom says to put it in there and it's going to help. You know, I hear people come in all the time and say, oh, I plant in pots without a drainage hole and I add rocks in the bottom and that helps with drainage. And it, how does that help drain? Draining means the water is leaving. And so all that's doing is making an inch or so at the bottom of the pot where there's water and actually it's worse than not using any rocks in a non-draining pot because you're raising the level of the water closer to the roots. And so when the, the, you know, the water will soak to the bottom of the pot. So as you guys know, the soil is always more moist at the bottom of the pot. So when you're putting rocks in, you're creating a false bottom that's raising the bottom of the pot closer to the roots So you're keeping the roots moist for longer. So it's completely, it's not even doing nothing. It's actually harming your plants. So if you're going to, I I don't tell you to plant in a pot with um, no drainage, but if you are, don't put rocks in it. It makes it worse. But um, so what I would always do is put rocks in the bottom of the pot when I would repot. And there's a woman that does seminars at our garden center. And it was a busy Sunday. Her seminar was over and all these people came down because they have them in the classroom upstairs and said, oh, you know, I'm going to throw away all my pea gravel. I don't need it because this person, you know, says you don't need to do that. And I thought, well, who would be saying that? And I I remember saying to people, (laughs) I always put rocks. I can't imagine planting without rocks at the bottom. And yeah, when I started doing repots and when I started potting things up, potting up is when you have a plant at a greenhouse that comes in as a four inch um, or let's say a, a, a three inch or four inch pot and it sits there for a while and it grows and grows and grows and all of a sudden it needs to be put in a bigger pot. So we pot it up and then we, we price it up accordingly to what is six inch. So I had to do all of these potting ups. And I remember my manager coming over going, gosh, these are really heavy. And she realized I put stone in them. She's like, we don't do that. I'm oh. like, you know, she's like, no, I mean, they don't, we didn't really get any training. I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, there's a lot of plants out there on the benches that have stones. In them. So um, I, I just, I didn't know, you know, and so recently I was doing a a repotting video at my house and it was one of my own plants and out came all the stone. And so if you've put stone in the bottom of your pots and you've had the plant in there for a while, when you take it out, not only does it cause issues with, you know, raising the the, uh, water table, the water level up closer to the roots and keeping your roots more moist than you want them to. But um, the roots will actually, you know, roots can, if they bump into another root or if they, you know, hit um, 
compacted soil, they'll, they'll figure it out. But if they're hitting into rocks and then they're growing around rocks, I've repotted things for customers where it looks like it's the root ball and then you start losing the roots and all these rocks come out. It's like a stomach full of rocks, you know? And so that's yeah. not good. Um, so that's one thing that I had to learn. And I was very, very resistant to not, I was really afraid to plant and, and pot without stone in it. And so if anyone listening feels the same way, you know what, just do it. It'll be okay. You're, and over time, you'll see your plants will actually, you'll get it. Like for me, it was an aha thing. Like, wow, I don't need, I don't know if the people that make pea gravel invented that you have to do that. Um, I used to buy <laughs> 50 pound bags of it. I really would. So no, I don't, I don't put um, stone in the bottom of my pots anymore. The other thing that I, I loved my mister and I'm going to, I'm doing a video on this. You'll see it next week. Um, but you see people dancing around with their mister bottle and missing all their plants. They might be wearing, you know, their bikini and their, you know, <laughs> their hair's all done. They're the, you know, all happy spring. Their plants. Yeah. And I used to do that too. Ooh, look at me running around, but it does nothing for humidity. It does nothing for humidity. So I used to do that. Um, and the other thing is it Wait, can't did actually... you used to do that? Did you used to do that in your bikini, bikini too? Oh, no, okay. I used to say bikini involved. I, you know what? But I might be doing that for like, there might be a little bit of that in the, the, um, in the reel that I'm doing. Like, oh. No, I, I'm not going to be wearing a bikini. Mr. Greenhouse going to be wearing a bikini? <laughs> oh, I, ooh, maybe I should get him to do it. He has a better bikini body than I do right now. No. Um, so anyway, and, and he doesn't wear boxers, so. Where is closet? Should I show you what he wears? Hot tip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, literally. So, <laughs> but, but anyway, Adam, it took Adam a while for that one. Um, no. But so I used to run around. So, but getting back to the missing, it can actually, this is another thing that not only is it not, it's not increasing humidity. Okay. But it actually can be damaging because if you're missing all of your tropical plants and, you know, they don't want a lot of water sitting on them. And if you don't have as much light as they want, it's cooler, darker. You're maybe doing it every night when you get home from work. That can lead to some problems. Um, I was talking with um, Gabriella Plants with, oh my gosh, what Shane. is his name? Shane. Shane. Thank you. Sorry, Shane. I was um, asking Shane from Gabrielle Plants one time. I said, you know, I'm getting a lot of people that are messaging me and they're getting, um, you know, some really bad issues with their pink princesses and fungal issues. And, um, you know, are they prone to, you know, because you can use a copper fungicide to get rid of them. But I'm like, I'm seeing a lot of people getting them. And he said, well, you know what's happening, Gretchen? We, we're getting a lot of the same questions. And, you know, we're in Florida. We have high humidity. We grow these in greenhouses. We grow them outdoor with shade cloth, however they grow them. We have good humidity. People are confusing and they're thinking that they need high humidity um, for those leaves to not stick when they're unrolling. So they're just like spraying their plants over and over and over every day. And that can cause, you know, fungal issues. So, 
you don't want to be doing that. Um, and that's something that I, I did use to think spraying it around. Now, I do use the mister for a lot of different things. That's what my video is going to be about, but I don't use it. It's not going to raise the humidity in your house by running around. Um, the other thing is you'll see some of these things that they're advertising these days, these little things that spray, unless you have like gallons and gallons and gallons of high output um, humidifier, um, a little spraying thing sitting on your counter is not, I've tried it, believe me, I've tried it and I've had my little humidity measure. It, it doesn't work. So it's right. kind of wasting yeah. time and it, it can actually be a little detrimental. So just from me following you, because I love to follow you on Instagram, um, it seems like your biggest proponent for increasing humidity is pebble trays. So would you say that that's probably what you, I mean, aside from having a humidifier that's big enough for your space, like is pebble trays your next option to suggest yeah, the folks? Um, my house is large and it has really high ceilings. It has a very open floor plan. So like, let's say that I wanted to use, which I do, but I put a separate humidifier in my family room, which is like a great room. It's 20 foot high ceilings and there's no way to close it off. There's no doors. It's gorgeous open windows. to the rest of the house. But the problem is, you know, if you put a humidifier in a, a little bedroom or the closet I'm in, you're going to get up to 70% really fast. That's another thing. People are getting those cabinets, you know, from Ikea and people are putting little humidifiers in there and they're coming home to like it being raining in there. So you have to be careful. But um, in my house, we do have a whole house humidifier. I would love to set it to 70 percent, but my family would hate it. Posters start like peeling off the wall. My hair looks bad. So we set it at, <laughs> um, as far as my family knows, it's 45 percent, but I did it to <laughs> <laughs> um, but that still doesn't do it um, because in different areas of my house, it's usually around most most households in the winter will be somewhere 35 percent, 38, something like that. I can nudge mine with the whole house humidifier to be um, maybe in the 40s. And then I will put a humidifier in different spaces, like behind my couch in front of those big windows. Um, in my hall and I can put them on all the way and I have the little meters and I can get it to barely over 50%, which is not what my plants want, but it's not like the danger zone. You know what I mean? And so yeah. then what I do is for the ones that are really, really fussy and the ones that I really care about more, <laughs> my special <laughs> plants, um, I do pebble trays and the pebble trays really work. Um, that was another thing that I learned at work. I learned it at work when I was a customer there. Um, someone told me that you could do that. And I was like, I'm not going to have like a metal tray with rocks. I live in a house. I don't want it to look <laughs> bad. But you can make pebble trays that look really pretty. Like I have them sitting on my table and people don't even, you know, I have a really pretty plate and I put glass beads. I'll put little seashells that I cleaned out really well. Um, you could use regular pea gravel, you can use polished stone and I match them to the pot. Um, I always put like, um, a coaster or something underneath the plate. Cause I'm kind of messy sometimes when I fill them up, the biggest challenge is for me remembering that I need to fill them up because honestly, it's like every 48 hours, the water disappears. Yeah. And that just shows you that it's working. Um, and I tell people all the time, I used to think that my dog, remember Adam, Adam was my old dog. Um, yeah, I used to think that Adam. he was like licking the water out of the pebble trays cause it was, it was, it was disappearing <laughs> so fast. So people are hesitant to do, to make pe pebble trays. I think maybe they think they don't look good. 
I have a couple ones that I bought that are more expensive that are um, for orchid growers or big plastic with, you know, grates on them. Those are like more industrial, but they hold more water. But yeah, I use those a lot and um, they definitely, definitely help. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another. Well, one of the tips that I learned at the greenhouse that everybody knows, here's another thing about science. So here we go. When I tell people my emergency rehydration, which is when you have a plant that's, you know, just flopped over and a peace lily or something dramatic. And I say water really, really, really well, and then lay it on its side for a couple of hours and it miraculously recovers. Well, I learned that from the manager of our greenhouse. She calls it the hospital. So we'll take a plant because it happens when it's hot and we have lots of customers and we have thousands of plants and we'll water it really well. We bring it into like our work area and we lay it down um, horizontally and she calls it the hospital. Put it, put that plant in the hospital. And although she'll be talking to you, she'll be like, <gasps> and I know that means, oh my God, she, she can spot something like across the room. <laughs> It's going down. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I go over. I'm like, yeah, she's right. So you lay it down and then it recovers. And she said, well, the plant doesn't have to fight gravity to pump the water back up to the leaves. Well, here's the thing. So that's my big tip. Everyone loves it. Right. But then I get people messaging me saying, uh, you know, that's wrong because that's uh, gravity has nothing to do with the delivery of water to the leaves. We all know the action, you know, the action, how it works. Okay, yes, science says that it shouldn't work. It's capillary action. It, you know, there's a lot of other things involved and it has nothing to do with gravity. Well, I don't know what to say because it does work. I've, it's worked. So again, I don't have the, the degree behind me and I know some people have messaged me and and, you know, when you message someone, if you want to message, first of all, let's get into, if you want to tell someone that they're wrong, don't, don't put it on a comment out there. I'll leave the yeah. comments so people can see that there's some people that are just not that great, but some people can get really offended by them, but you can message them and let them know. But if you're going to message them, don't be so antagonistic. Um, so people would say, you know, this Amen. is wrong, take it down. And I'm like, you know what? Have you tried it? And then guess what? Yeah. They never respond back. So I don't know. Yeah. So anyone who's listening to this, I mean, it works for me. If it doesn't work for you and you don't like it, you don't have to advocate it. You don't have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a tip that I learned that I use all the time because I'm always behind on my watering. So I was watching um, one of your most recent reels with the stones on the top of the plant. I think it was a snake plant, Gretchen. Mm -hmm. if I'm, yeah. Okay. So what I do... And I, this is my question because I want to know if this is like if I should stop doing this because I tell everybody that I do this and I feel like people are doing it and I'm now I'm freaking out. So I put lava stone, which is I think it's bonsai jacks lava stone I use on top of my soil to help with fungus gnats. And I swear on everything I love, it works. But I don't know if now because of your video that I just recently saw, <laughs> I don't know if now that I'm keeping that top layer of soil way too moist. The lava stone is very, very tiny. It's not like those thick rocks that were in your video. So I feel like when I water it, it shoots straight down to the bottom of the plant. Like it, and I use Becca's soil, De La Tank soil. So it like it's really well draining. 
But I saw that and I was like, oh, shoot, I never thought about that. So I'm really curious to see what what you have to say about that. Okay, great question. Well, number one, if it's working for you and your plants are happy, (laughs) then go ahead and continue doing it. Um, Like you said, there are different types of rocks. So I did an IGTV video a long time ago. Oh my God, don't even look through my thing looking for it because it's really low quality. It's so bad. And it went on and on forever. But it was on top dressing. And top dressing is when you take something and you put it across the top of the soil. And I Mm -hmm. was like, top dressing, should you or shouldn't you? So what you're talking about using um, lava, the lava rock, lava rock is going to be a lot, lot more porous than those really huge, large river rocks. So that's number okay. one. Number okay. two, I'm, I'm, but I'm still not saying that it's something I would do, but, okay. um, but the lava rocks. So, and then I think you said that you use them from like bonsai, a bonsai supply. Bonsai Jack. Yeah. Bonsai so, Jack. so it's so right. in, in, with, within the art of bonsai, um, bonsai plants are potted in very um, shallow pots, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's because you want to keep the roots, you know, you're basically keeping them small. You don't mm-hmm. want to give them a lot of room to grow. You want to keep the plant dwarf. So there's not a lot of soil in there. And that soil is going to dry out so incredibly fast. Okay. So there are certain types of plants that you might be bonsaiing that don't want to have any dryness or only want to have a little bit of dryness. So in bonsai, especially, it is common to top dress your soil because you're Mm -hmm. trying to keep that soil moist for a little bit longer. Um, When you get into larger plants that are in deeper pots and you're getting into plants that maybe want to experience a little bit more dryness in the roots between watering, putting a top dressing on top of the soil will definitely um, slow down. You know, you're putting a layer. So normally the water's in the soil and because of the heat and, you know, and light that's going to dry out and your water is going to evaporate. And that's what you want. Of course, it comes out the bottom of the pot, but it also evaporates from the top. And as I said before, you know, your, your top of your soil is going to dry before the bottom of your soil. So if you're putting a barrier on top of your soil, it's going to take your soil longer to dry out. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't mean, I mean, your plant might be fine with that. Some plants might not like that. And the problem is when people start putting, you know, there's people that will put just really large river rocks or they'll put mulch because they see that you mulch trees outside, Mm. mulching trees outside. That's a whole other subject. But, you know, when you go down like a, a neighborhood and you see the trees that are, you know, have the big, nice piles of mulch. They look so good. All of the landscapers are doing it. We call those mulch vol- volcanoes. They're they're deadly to the tree because the wow. tree trunks are like skin. It's like you're, you know, so you don't, when you mulch, you want to have a little bit of space between the mulch and where the trunk meets the soil. Wow. So the same thing with your plants. So if you are going to top dress, if you want to top dress for aesthetic reasons, um, you want to use something that's a little bit more porous and you want to not make a complete coating. Now, that being said, for the fungus gnats, we get um, a lot of um, amaryllis and other different um, flowering plants and plants from local growers who regularly will put sand, uh, play, you know, like the, the regular sand 
and that's going to keep those gnats. It's going to keep the larvae when they had, you know, they can't come up. Um, that's a great, that's a way that a lot of people like to fight the gnats. The only thing is it makes a really big mess when you water um, all that sand all around. I used to use sand. I would use white sand. That was my thing. Right. And it really worked like better than the lava stone for fungus gnat purposes. But I even recently did a YouTube video that I posted yesterday. I unpotted a pothos that I had the sand in and it was just all in the roots. Yeah. Like I feel like yeah. as you water, you know, it just kind of drops to the bottom of the pot. So you know, I stopped doing that and then I started using the, the lava stone. And it is a very, a very thin layer, but what you're saying makes total sense. It really does. And this is, this is. And this customer is actually a follower of mine. And when she came in, I said, you know better than to put stone on top of your plants. Well, she had gotten these from her father, but she said, no, I put the stones on there because she has cats and her cats oh, like to go yeah. and play in the soil. So the only way that she could keep her cats from digging up the soil and making a mess is by putting these large stones on it, which I said to her, I said, that's fine. You know, your, mm -hmm. your plant's okay. I'm going to take the stones off and I put them in a bucket. Oh gosh, she's picking her plant up today. I hope they remember to give her her stones. But <laughs> anyway, um, and I said, you can put them on. I mean, they're big. Maybe she could put, you know, I suggested maybe not putting so many stones. I don't know what the mentality of cats are. You know, they're smart. If if you don't put as many stones, they will figure out how to dig in between those stones. So, um, yeah. you know, she said she was going to maybe try. Maybe the cat, they're smart, though, won't realize that the stones aren't there. Um, but, you know, there are different reasons that people do it. But I have seen people. So here's another thing from the greenhouse. Plants come in from all different growers. Different growers, you know, just like all of us, we use different soil, we use different amendments. Um, different growers use different things. So a lot of these plants that come from, okay, so plants come in from Hawaii. And a lot of them, the orchids that come in from Hawaii, a lot yeah, of Yeah, I've seen you do the unboxing of the orchids and they're just so yeah. beautiful. And a lot of them will have um, like lava rock on the top, there are certain palms that come in only from Hawaii and they'll have, and certain Dracaena that we get that are grown in Hawaii. They have a big sticker on them, right? You know, grown in Hawaii. And they'll have like, you know, a, a top layer, or it looks like a lot of the soil will have this gorgeous black lava rock in it. And when I first unpotted, gosh, why can't I think of what type of a palm, maybe a, a rapist lady palm, I think. Maybe we get those ones from Hawaii. And I said to my manager, you know, I don't have, this soil has, um, you know, this lava rock in it. Does this plant need the lava rock? And she's like, no, they use what they have. Just like here in Northern Virginia, you know, we have hardwood trees. And so everyone around here mulches outside with hardwood mulch. If you go down to the Carolinas, all of a sudden you see everyone using pine needles. And it's like, why wow. are they mulching with pine needles and we're using hardwood mulch? Well, guess what? There's a lot of pine trees down in mm -hmm. the Carolinas and that's what they have. You go down, you go to Hawaii. What are they mulching with outside? Lava rock, because that's what they have. So just because a grower uses something doesn't mean that you have to do that. It's just, that's what's available to them. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't even remember what this whole thread was about. <laughs> what was I trying to get at? Um, just saying that different things work with. Right. For, for different for people. Different so it people. does, it doesn't mean that just because I do it a certain way. Right. You need to, but for the most part, I don't advocate, um, 
top dressing. Oh, that's what I was talking about. So a lot of people will message me when I say, well, I put that video out a long time ago and they're like, well, I've always put, you know, I, I thought you were supposed to, or we'll have people coming into the greenhouse and we sell polished sewn and they'll be buying, you know, bags of $12 polished sewn. I say, are you doing a terrarium? What are you doing? Oh no, I'm just going to put it on the top of my soil. And I say, why? And they go, um, you know, I like the way it looks. I've seen other people do it. And then I just nicely try to say, well, you know, that's not really the best thing for your plant. If it's what you like to do, that's fine. But I always try to educate people and let them know it's it's really not the best thing for your yeah. soil. Um, using, you know, some sand or, um, you know, for the fungus gnats or like you said, the lava rock is at least it, it, that's a little bit better. It, it, it's more porous, but... Um, you know, I just did a whole thing on the gnats and I guess people get really bad. I don't have an issue with them, but someone sent me a video and like, it was a cloud. Like I didn't realize until someone sent me that video, like we'll get plants in the greenhouse and we'll water them. You see a couple gnats and honestly in the greenhouse, cause we can't use chemicals. We'll just spray them with like soapy water. I mean, that's what greenhouses do. There's a lot of things that we do in the greenhouse that, I wouldn't tell people about because I wouldn't want them to do that at home. But like, you know what I mean? Like we know the little tips and things that if you do them wrong, it could be worse for your plant. But um, we'll see occasional gnats, but we don't see like what I saw when someone sent me a video that it was a whole cloud. And she's like, it's all over. Like if you're on my couch, like they're, they're all over. Oh my so goodness. It can, I guess it can be pretty bad, right? Yeah, that's horrible. Adam, have you noticed a difference because you're in a more – Adam, you, you don't have a high humidity, right? No, do no, you? I don't. Or am I wrong? No. Yeah, so you probably – I mean, your plants dry out much quicker. Have you noticed any difference, like where you live now, with any issues like that, I'm wondering, or – no, but I also I switched a majority of my plants to LECA when I got to Arizona right. because of having so many issues with things like needing water constantly because it is so dry here. So I don't I can't say if it's the environment right. or my potting medium and stuff. So, But yeah, I forgot about that. But I told people really the way that I tell people to get rid of them, which is what we tell people at work is, you know, you got to use something for the soil, either systemic or um, you could use the mosquito bits and then at the same time use the sicky traps and do it for like, you're supposed to do it for like 20 days. I tell people do it for a month because people take mm-hmm. the sicky traps down when they stop seeing the gnats in them. But then because of the life cycle of the, you know, then the new ones will be born and then you're, you're just getting trapped and trapped. If you can do the two in combination, get rid of the larvae in the soil and get rid of the, the females, the bad females, the, the males just annoy you, the females annoy you and they lay eggs. So if you can, you know, yeah. use the sticky traps to get rid of them after a month, you'll be good. Um, but it just takes a lot of, it takes patience and it takes persistence. Mm-hmm. Becca, since you moved to Missouri from Arizona, have you noticed like an uptick in fungus gnats because of the added humidity? Honestly, not not so much yet. I mean, when I got here, humidity was like going down. So and like throughout the winter, you're going to cringe, Gretchen. My house has been at like 15 percent humidity, which is not even healthy for humans. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's been really difficult to keep humidity higher with using our wood stove and everything, but I did have a little bit of a fungus gnat outbreak 
but I don't think it was due to humidity. I think it was just the season for it, maybe like new plants coming in. But yeah, I've been able to, even in Tucson, I didn't mm-hmm. get them that much after I knew what not to do. Like when I stopped keeping the soil moist, they kind of went away and it wasn't really a thing. So it's a new adventure to see what that'll look like here with high humidity because it does the house will probably get to like 70 and if i can add i don't want people watching and be like oh wow i live in a really humid environment so i gotta be careful gnats it's not a humid humidity um is going to affect it because if your air is very humid um your soil isn't going to dry out as quickly um, if your right. air is really dry, your soil is going to start. To, so it really has to do with um, the, the gnats are there because your soil is staying moist for too long. And that can be due to a, a number of factors, which usually it's that people are like watering too frequently. It could be that they don't have the plant in enough light. Um, it's really cold, you know, all these different things. The humidity is low. So it could be lower humidity is going to mean that your soil is going to dry out quicker. But it's, you know, basically you, you got to really, it's a hard, that's another thing when it's a hard thing to learn how to water. That's one of the hardest things in the world, I think, for new plant people. Um, I remember, gosh, when I started uh, Travis Conti, I, I got this gorgeous Travis Conti. And I just was like, why are these stems just all getting mushy all the time? Like, I didn't understand that I couldn't just water it every Friday. This is like when I was in sixth grade, you know, and I finally <laughs> was like, well, I'm done with that plant. I don't understand what's going on with it, you know, but um, you it's hard to people freak out. Like if I don't give it water, oh my gosh, but that's how I learned. I had to learn when I started working in the greenhouse, how to water thousands of plants, succulents, ZZs, cacti, um, that at home, I, you know, I have to do them with a big hose and I was scared to death to start soaking plants, which is what you have to do in a greenhouse. But, you know, if you have good soil, you have good drainage, you have the right size pot, you should go be able to go ahead and flood your plant with water. It's just how long, mm-hmm. you know, having those three conditions and then how long you're going to wait to water again. And I think that's right. the big, the whole overwatering thing. It, it It's just how frequently you water. Yeah. And yeah. this is definitely what it, when we talk about hands-on experience and time in to housekeeping, I mean, plant keeping, where it's like, you just really have to learn your plant and learn how to, I feel like watering is one of those questions that every new plant parent wants, like, just a straight answer for, like, when do I water my plant? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's going to be so many factors that go into that. And that's, I think, like you said, that's probably the hardest thing to learn. We, we get that all the time with the plants. And, um, you know, I'll say to people, exactly what I said, and you're going to wait and you're going to put your finger in, depending on the plant, I'll tell them it has to be a whole finger of dryness or a half a finger up to the first knuckle. And I'll say, okay, and I'll say it three times. And then I'll say, so you understand that I said three times that you're going to check your plant every Saturday. You're not going to water it. You're going to check it every Saturday. They say, right, right. I get it. And then my finger and all that. And then they're getting ready to leave. Okay. So you think like once a week, and I just go, this is where I love masks because I can just like cringe under my mask. It's just, you know, people listen, but they don't listen. And that's why, you know, until you start killing a lot of plants from uh, root rot, you're, you're not going to figure it out. You know, it's just, it's, it's, that's how we all learn. 
Yeah. I, I posted a TikTok about flushing plants. Like, because we're, since we're talking about watering, um, like, do you flush your plants? And I mean, I think I'm pretty sure you do. But like, why should we do that? Like, we're removing excess minerals. I flush them every watering. Okay. Somebody asked me in the video, like, why are you referring to minerals as a bad thing? And I was like, well, if there's, and I was like, wait a minute, do I actually know? But like, if there's too much of it, it can hurt your plant, right? Like, so why do you flush? So you're watering and we all have different water. So some, you know, everyone's municipal water. That's another thing. I only use tap water. So hate me if you want to hate me, but that's what my plants get. I live in a county. I don't have um, well water. Well water can be good. Well water can be bad. County water can be good. County water can be bad. Where I live, we can water with the county water. Any water is going to have minerals in it. Minerals are good for your plants. Your plants need minerals. I use a fertilizer that has 14 different, um, you know, nutrients, minerals in it. Um, They need it. But over time, when you are fertilizing, you're adding all of those minerals back into the soil because the soil has a lot of the good potting soils, the synthetic potting soils, all the potting soils will have good nutrients in it. But after like a month or two, like those are, like you said, Becca, those are washed out. So what are we doing? We're adding them back in with fertilizing. Well, if you've ever seen like people have brought uh, plants into us, that one guy that brought the 10-year-old plant in, the crusts on the side of your pot. So you'll see crusts forming. That crust is mineral deposits, um, from your fertilizer. And so the crust is in there, um, letting that crust sit there and sit there and sit there and then you're watering. It's like, it's, it's a concentration. So it's like if all of a sudden you took a whole big concentration of iron and, you know, if you dislodge that when we're doing our aeration, which we don't do anymore, but when I would aerate, I would put the chopstick around and get all that crust and wash that through. You, you, you don't want, you don't want all of those minerals to be stuck in there at the top of the soil. It's just not good. I don't, I don't get a lot of that because I literally do kind of flush my plants every single time that I water them. Um, mm-hmm. People that just give, you know, a little bit enough here and there. Um, you can tell when we get, when we get plants brought in, I can tell right away. I'll say, so you're probably bringing, not bringing this to the sink to, to water fully or flesh out very often. They're like, I've never done it. How do you know? And I'm like, I see that crustiness around. And if you get that crust, some of my plants I do, and I'm not talking about the crust from terracotta pots, but like you'll see build up over time. I will take um, like a cloth and I will just dislodge it, but wipe it off. Don't, don't rinse it back into your soil. So you can decrust the side of your pot, but don't put it back in the soil. You don't want it in there. Um, And that's, I hope that answered your question, but you should flush out Mm -hmm. because people that are just adding little bits of fertilizer here and there and there, it's, it's, it's hanging out in there. Then you're adding more and adding more. Um, It's like if every time that you took your multivitamin, a little bit of that stayed in your system, you would have to flush that out if you keep if you keep taking the vitamins you're, or you're going to get an imbalance, you're going to get too much of those nutrients and then too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Right. That's my layman's kind of term for why you want to flush things out. But, and then the people say, well, I just won't use fertilizer, but that's, you know, you want to use fertilizer for the reasons that I told you in nature, your plants, uh, all the 
things that grow, you know, down in Florida, down in um, the um, Central America, you know, there there's larger leaves above the canopy. They're, they're dropping down. There's all kinds of net. There's bird poop. There's, you know, all that natural stuff is happening as natural fertilizer. That's why you need fertilizer indoors. You, you really need mm-hmm. it. People, when I talk about fertilizer, they're like, you should be doing the banana peels. I'm like, if I do banana peels, I'm getting potassium, but I'm also getting fungus gnats. That's just how <laughs> yeah. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Gretchen, it has been so wonderful having you on the podcast today. You are so full of so much information and we just love chatting with you. I feel like we could have talked like for another hour or three. So we'll definitely have to have you back on the pod very soon. And um, if anybody wants to find you on social media, if they're not following you already, what should they do? Where can they find you? Um, It's it's at Greenhouse Girl 94 on Instagram. And there is a YouTube channel coming. I don't know what it's called. I've <laughs> been having some difficulties there. Um, I may be asking you guys, I don't know. Do you have, anyway, so yes, Greenhouse Girl 94 on Instagram. <laughs> you can follow me. And um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. I, I love just talking with you too. It's been really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was so much fun. This has been a blast. And, and you know, technology issues aside, like we've we've worked through it. And I just appreciate you taking the time to like just sit down with us and be our first guest on this podcast because I like we've talked about you on the podcast before. All three of us highly look up to you. So it's just it's nice to like see your face live and then just have a chat. So I really I really do appreciate you being here. I'm just wondering, Becca told me I was going to get a free gift if I did this, and that's why I did it. So what am I getting? Uh, well, awesome. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I, have some, uh, so river, I have some river stones for you that I'll, yeah, I'll send some over. Yeah, some, some, yeah, for the bottom of, of, of my pods. But no, I really do. I really appreciate you guys. I love, you know, that I, I, I feel like I, I know you, I've, even though we've never met, but um, I, I really appreciate this opportunity. And yeah, I'd love to come back anytime because I'm sure I could talk for another couple of hours about plants. <laughs> we would <Yes>. love that. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, if you're not already, you can head over to Instagram and follow Potted Together on Instagram and we will have a post today so you can go ahead and leave any comments or fun remarks your favorite part of the episode over on that post on our Instagram we are also on YouTube where we post our collabs and you can follow all four of us individually so thank you very much to everyone for listening and joining us today and we will see you next time bye thanks guys bye As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.